Guys, welcome to Classics and 30 here on the Music Frenzy Radio Network. Welcome to Monday. Welcome to May. Welcome to Classics and 30. This is John here. Pretty cool show today. Uh, last week I was able to speak to, from the Romantics, the guitarist and then bassist, Mike Skill. So we'll play that interview tonight and we're going to play some, uh, obviously we'll play some romantic stuff and some other cool tunes. I want to wish my mom, Brenda, a happy birthday today. And, uh, yeah, here in Philadelphia, it wasn't a bad Monday, so we're going to kick it off with uh, the Romantics hit from 1980 off their debut album. Just think back, beginning of the decade, beginning of, you know, the big hair and the, all the cool fashions from the 80s, and out of Detroit, the Romantics rolled out and gave us this song, and I freaking love it even today. Here is uh, What I Like About You.
here on Classics and 30 on Music Frenzy Radio Network. That was The Romantics with What I Like About You. If you recall the video, that's when um, when I first saw the drummer. Jimmy was the lead singer, and Wally, who also sang a lot of songs on that one, played guitar and played a killer harmonica. So, you know, kudos to Wally and, you know, uh, Jimmy for building that one out. So... Uh, yeah, you know, it's always fun to play these songs, but it's, I think it's even uh, cooler to go back and watch the videos. Um, just so epic. I mean, you know, all, all of us, uh, you know, 50-somethings, let's just leave it at that, who, um, <laughs> who remember these guys from, um, from MTV, you know, just watching the videos over and over. They just played them to death. It was awesome. And, uh, you gotta re- relive that once in a while, especially on a shitty day like Monday, so... Yeah, so we're going to jump right into our interview. Um, again, I interviewed guitarist uh, Mike Skill. Mike started off in the band as uh, writing a lot of songs and as a guitar player. When the band's second album, National Breakout, came out, Mike left the band, and he talks about that in the interview here. And then he came back to not only write songs but to play bass. So, you know, it was, it was a really cool chat with him last week. Very nice guy, a very in-depth interview. Um, and, yeah, without further ado, we're going to get into our interview here with... Mike Skill of the Romantic. We're back on Classics on 30, and as we continue to reflect on the awesome music of the 80s, we're pleased to welcome Mr. Mike Skill of the Romantics to the show. How you been, Mike? I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, we're just kicking in, in the gear. I uh, just did a couple shows uh, to start the season on. Uh, we were in Las last week at the Golden Nugget, uh, which was a really cool show. We played, uh, we played the Frank Sinatra. It was like, well, I'll, I'll call it the Frank Sinatra showroom. Okay. It was one of the shows where he, where he was, uh, did his show. And, uh, oh, wow. It was, uh, you know, a thousand seater or so, something like that, but it was really good. It turned out really cool. I know that uh, in back in February, you guys did an 80s cruise with Cheap Trick, Belinda Carlisle, Survivor, Howard Jones, Berlin. Being on the cruise and, you know, being with those people who put out such fantastic music and the fans that love it. Um, tell me about that. That had to have been fantastic. Yeah, I'll uh, give you the lowdown. We we pretty much we uh, I, I flew in and uh, we, got, we got to stay overnight in Jamaica, and then uh, the boat came in. Cheap trick play. Uh, we took off that night, um, hung around with those guys for a little bit before they left. Cheap trick and uh, Tom Peterson and all of them. Wow, cool. Robin, and uh, then uh, had our bunks all ready to go. We just kind of like hung out, ate dinner, and uh, the next day. Uh, we're off and uh, floating. We're uh, cruising on the boat. So, and um, we did a show uh, upstairs on the deck uh, by the pool, and uh, and uh, it went well. Uh, it was everybody's really into it and uh, going nuts. And uh, there's some photos online, and uh, yeah, it was really good. It turned out really good. I I, I didn't know how that uh, the waves were going to be that night, but it was uh, really a mellow cruise. It was pretty mellow. <laughs> Here on Classics and 30, we focus on the hits while bringing everyone up to date on what each band's been up to. Um, so let's go back to, you know, the big days of, of the Romantics from the 80s, man. I mean, the debut album, I know, was recorded in record time, wasn't it? I know. Well, it took about uh, backtracks. Well, we flew down. I guess for some reason, our managers have been going to Florida their families for vacation, uh, winter vacation. So uh, we knew Criteria Studios were down, were down there. They were familiar with the area. We kind of said, well, yeah, let's get out of this uh, uh, winter weather and try to really concentrate without having to worry about all that. Uh, concentrate on recording a good record, make a, make a fine record. And uh, 
we had spent Detroit about a month uh, pre-production, something bands I don't think they do anymore. Sure, sure. Uh, where you, you bring your songs for the last five or six years, or, or maybe three or four years, uh, you've written songs, put songs together, played some shows. Uh, it was three years before we got signed. We are on the road, off the road, on the road. Three years, all up and down the East Coast, and progressive groups were just stretching these songs out to 20-minute uh, guitar solos, 20-minute keyboard solos. <laughs> uh, you know, live. This is live, you know, live. And oh, yeah. Were like, you know, kind of get back to a show, a show, like a show. Uh, come out and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, like James Brown had a show. Rolling Stones had a show. You know, it was uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, it, it was uplifting and, uh, and uh, rock and roll, and uh, it, it got so, you know, when you have so much freedom, you know, so much freedom on stage and, and open liberty to do anything, it, it kind of gets, uh, it gets self-indulgent, you know, it, it's kind of, it gets kind of boring, so, you, you know, we were, all these bands, young bands coming up out of New York, and of course the punk scene, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a smash back at that, it was like, come on, I mean, you know, get back to like straight ahead songs, and uh Songs without long solos, you know, and, uh, and real fun, fun grooves and beats and melodies. A lot of, you know, a lot of songs, you know, back to melodies and minor chords uh, instead of just riffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I love all that stuff. I mean, uh, Led Zeppelin's based on the blues thing. I love, uh, you know, Baby King and Fleetwood Mac and all that early Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green. Um, grew up with that and Humble Pie. We loved it, Humble Pie. But Detroit was cooking with, um, you know, the MC5, Alice Cooper and, uh, uh, the Stooges and all that, and Bob Seger, and and really, I think what we were trying to do is uh, get back to straight, straight ahead pop songs and, and, and hard, hard kick ass beats. And that's evident from you know the first hit from that debut album was "What I Like About You," and the video shows that shows that short burst, uh, high energy, um, you know, lots of excitement. I mean, it, it, that was a perfect representation, I think, of what you guys were trying to do and of that time period. You're, you're, you're spot on because we were like the, the next generation from the MC5 and you know we were, we were taking cues from like Looking At You Looking At You was a, a two chord song from the MC5 and we were taking what I like by we just had another chord and it was the same kind of attack the song the same way had a, mel- a good melody and good backups in a way you know, you know I, I don't think bands don't do pre-production they'll get that to figure out uh, it's all live. It's all live, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm in that. I'm really kind of going back to that myself right now. Cool. Uh, recording. You know, the seventies kind of throw and go, bash and go. You know, uh, when we come in to record, uh, the producer would say, "Oh no, don't play that cymbal there. Don't play that cymbal there. Don't play that note there. Don't play the kick drum there." Don't, you know, you take away all the heart that you got live. Yeah. <laughs> it's a studio. It's a studio record. You know, you're doing a studio. Record. It's not live. It's not a live record. And it kind of took away our. It kind of took away our. Uh, a fight, the, the burning fire, hot Detroit attitude. But it still made a good pop record. It made, it, you know, we brought the best out of the songs. The drumming and the, what I like about you is what stood out to me in the video. I mean, not only it probably one of the first times I saw a drummer as the lead singer for such a hit song, but. His setup, you know, Jimmy didn't have rack toms. He only had floor toms and the snare and cymbals, which I had never seen that look before. Well, his 
Yeah, it's the tom, the usual, the tom above the snare. He had it on a stand instead of on the on the kick drum. Yeah, he just liked the look of it. That's so what I'm saying. Like, it just looked different. I'm like, well, wait, wait, you know, it was wild. <laughs> well, you didn't see too many. Yeah. Well, you, you know, he'd sit and look at his drums and perfect it and make it look very streamlined. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of like looking at a, a car. You know, kind of look at it, streamline it, simplify it, make it. Uh, use your, it's, it's your desktop, like Brad calls it now, our, our current drummer, Brad, who's been with us for like 12 years. It's your desktop, you know, it's your, it's your, it's your workstation there. Oh, it's important, and, uh, sure. It, yeah, he had his own special setup, but, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the drums, at that time, uh, I think what was coming out, well, you had all the punk bands came out, uh, you had the New York bands and LA punk bands were coming out. Detroit had a really good scene coming out. Bands like the Seatbelts and uh, Sonic Rendezvous Band and others, and a lot, a, a lot of music on the radio was really, really kind of like sterile. Like regular FM radio, uh, hit radio was pretty sterile. On uh, you, you had drummers were pounding. The drums were usually like a, sounded like a piece of paper. Yeah. Or, <laughs> so we always wanted, you know, we wanted to get back to like a raw attack, you know. And, and you know that's that's what we tried to achieve. Oh, absolutely! And even the other big hit from that album, uh, "When I Look in Your Eyes," is another one that I just you know I really remember that song. Yeah. It was just an awesome song, completely different than what I like about you. You know, which showed some variety, you know, from the band. But man, what a what a great song! Yeah, that's. That came from like Keith Townsend, The Who. That's what I was emulating. Okay. You know, on the twelve string and that, because you went from your mid sixties with just that Rickenbacker on the, with The Who, to into the seventies with all these overdubs and all these solos and all these, uh, you know, this overdone distorted guitar. You know, not even distorted. They were just, you know, just just stuff that wasn't melodic. And uh, so we were getting back to like a, the mid sixties kind of uh, Rickenbacker sound on that song. For the debut album, you played guitar on that album, yeah, I was correct? A guitarist. I started, I had been playing bass uh, with Jimmy all through high school in bands, in and out of bands around town. I was a bass player. I learned guitar, taught myself guitar years before that, and I uh, was learning, you know, so I was learning songs like uh, Pushing Too Hard and uh, um, Smokestack Lightning from the Yardbirds, all that stuff, you know. Oh, wow. Nice. Straight Head Yardbirds, Beatles, uh, MC5 came out with was coming out in 67 come, uh, I'm dating myself here <laughs> <laughs> you had left when National Breakout came out but then you came back and was the basis for In Heat yeah we you know we started out with our clothes and our whole our, the whole look the sound was fine we had, we had the whole look was uh, you know we had the thrift store uh, stovepipe pants and uh, get, uh, iridescent jackets sure you know greaser type jackets that's, and skinny ties then we then those things we played shows in Detroit and the pants would be falling apart the jackets would be falling apart <laughs> so we, yeah we, they're sweating yeah yeah they're yeah. Up. so uh, Wally had uh, his mom knew somebody that sewed and she made these vinyl pants we did white vinyl red vinyl black vinyl polka dot black and white vinyl <laughs> holy cow <laughs> yeah, and, and and then when we got signed, we could afford some leather, and I was thinking like the Temptations had these great colors, and sometimes they had these leather suit jackets. Sure. And, um, so we're thinking like, okay, how about red? How about black leather uh, suits? And uh, Jimmy thought uh, red leather, so we did red leather. Okay. But then, then the next record, they wanted to do another leather thing, leather th leather look, and I kind of like pushed against it. I wanted to have more of a the punk scene was happening, so on the second cover, we were like 
wasted from being in the studio recording all night and hanging out in New York. And so we did this photo. We looked kind of beat and all rocked out. You know? Yeah, a little ragged, yeah. Yeah, and I, so I was thinking in terms of pop art and, and, and not trying to stick to the same thing. And and there was friction within the band for the look. And I was just like, I was, I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. We had, so three more records came out and I think it was more leather, <laughs> more snake skin. Yeah. And at the time it was creative differences. And I just, uh, you know, it's just uh, doing a second record. The second record came out a year after the first record. I had three or four years to write the first record with the band. And then we had to come up with something like in a year. And it was a lot of, uh, like, angst and, uh, uh, wow, what am I going to do? Got to come up with something. So we wrote the second record. And I think there was a lot of pressure. I uh, went on tour and we're playing the second record instead of the first record. Oh, wow. And Interesting. That yeah. Was, yeah, we were in just Australia playing the second record instead of the first record. So management, I think, dropped the ball to keep us together, for one. Yeah, us together as a band, and and to and to smooth that stuff out. And there were sides divided, one side this side, that side, and I was gone. I was out. Well, um, you know, I always spoke my mind. I was always, uh, you know, the rebel in there. And so anyway, I left, and they did one record that flopped. They needed a writer back in the band. Uh, the main, you know, I always call, always coming up with stuff. Still do. Me and Wally worked together well, and. Um, and uh, they called me up and asked me to come back, and I came back on uh, In Heat. I had been listening to what was coming out of England, a lot of pop, dance, like and rock, mixed with rock and roll, so that's where the In Heat record came out. Once that came out, you guys just took off with talking in your sleep. I mean, yeah. that, was, that was massive, and, you know, as a young man watching that video... Um, yeah. I could, you know, I can only imagine. Listen, I can only imagine the four of you guys walking onto the set with these babes everywhere. It must, it must have been crazy. Well, we started recording the video. We we got up like four or five or four or five in the morning. We got over there, and there's like 200, 300, 250 girls over there waiting to go on this set, and we're just waking up and getting going. We had been on the road. I think did a show a few days earlier. Uh, we were kind of tired but we did did it and worked it out there's plastic visqueen on the floor with oil um, smoke <laughs> slippery slippery floor by the end of the you know 16 hours doing that thing by the end of the afternoon there was like maybe 20 girls left standing <laughs> people left people left yeah you know, you know it's a long shoot but it turned out good and uh uh, Talk to Your Sleep came up with the bass line that I had a few years earlier. Uh, I had wrote, I'd come up with, uh, and then we all got together, kind of put together a chorus, but I came up with the bass line for that, and uh, we all came up with the rest of it. The idea for the video, you guys were only trying to top Jay Giles' uh, Centerfold video, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what, we had, uh, we had some producer come in, we met in New York, some video producer came in in New York, and here we are, Detroit band, City, Rock and Roll, uh, we got this cool dance song, a little bit soulful, a little rocky, you know, good groove, good melody. And this guy wants to do uh, a video in the middle of winter with squirrels running on the snow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, wow. do this arty kind of thing, and which I'm into art and all that, and avant-garde and all that. Yeah, but not that song. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't what 
we were thinking. So we ousted that guy. Possibly you could have done the scroll video for one in a million. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe for, I, I have to think about that for a minute. You know, that could work for another song, but yeah. You know, it's great that the band's been staying busy. I mean, you were kind enough to shoot over a couple songs, and I love hearing really good cover songs. You know, Daydream Believer. I mean, you know, just amazing. Now, why did you pick that song? I mean, obviously, if you wanted to play a monkey song, they have such a catalog. But you know, what what about that song drew you to that song? Well, it was a challenge. You know what? It was a challenge. Really, it was a challenge because I wouldn't have thought of that, and I wouldn't have picked that, and I and I had some hesitation. But then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I want to challenge myself to see what I can do with this guitar wise, and I think Wally's the same way, and. Um, you know, it's not, that's not our kind of like pop sweet groove, you know, we're, we like to look at things a little differently, and, uh, but it was a challenge, I thought, well, how can I do this, and, um, I, I was thinking in terms of Yardbirds and a lot of guitar parts, so I really just kind of worked out a thing like, there's a song, Yardbirds do High Ho Silver Lining. Okay. It's got, that, it's got that same groove. Yeah, it's solid, but, you know, talking about challenges, I mean, the other song that you sent me was We Gotta Get Out of Here, and, I mean... Yeah, we gotta go this, we gotta this place by the animals, right. To take a song that's so iconic with, I mean, Eric Burden, it just nails it, you know, that's a challenge. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I guess with uh, Daydream Believer, I kind of was a throwback to the first, the first album. I wanted to do the guitars in a pop way with uh, with some creative things taking place instead of piano. And then with the, we had to, we got to get out of this place, that song is a slower groove with the animals. It's a lot slower. It's probably two or three times slower. Oh, absolutely. Brad goes, Brad goes well, it's got a great bass line. Why don't we just speed it up a bit and give it that soul groove? And then I just throw that, uh, you know, that Detroit wore MC5 guitar on it, so Fred Sonic Smith guitar on it, and it worked really well. Man, it's really good. Uh, Thank you, man. Yeah. Thanks. We worked, we worked uh, hard on it, and we've got a few more coming out from there. Now, Coming Home, is that an original? Yeah, that's an original, Coming Back Home, and uh, there's another original on it. I won't divulge that yet. It's called Outside Interest. Coming Back Home is really cool because it, it has like a like a surfer vibe opening, and the harmonica yes. just, the harmonica is amazing, man. Yeah, it's that, uh, it's that surf kind of, or, or even Mersey Beat uh, yeah. thing. It, yeah. The Beatles. Yeah, Beach Boys or Beatles kind of thing. Excellent. So uh, later on this year, we'll hear more music from the Romantics? Yeah, we, um, I'm trying to get out right now. We're trying to get two, two more songs out, so we're hoping to get those out within the next few weeks, I hope, or the next month or so. May 6th, you guys are in Dallas, and May 19th, you're at the Lotus Festival in Boca Raton. I'm sure that anyone you know who wants to see the band and listen to some more music yeah. can, can go to uh, romanticsdetroit.com. So, um, yeah, it's a pleasure talking to you, Mike. I, I appreciate all the info and you know, reliving those great 80s moments with me. Well, you know what, uh there's still a lot of good bands out there and it's still fun playing and we just uh we have the same attitude we've always had uh the band still has three of the original members uh rich on bass wally and then me back on guitar oh great and brad, brad not rich cole was the original bass player and uh he adds another harmony really good singer good singer and a good harmonies and brad's been with us uh i think he's been with us a year or two longer than the original drummer so oh wow it's uh he's a trip to see he's really a fun drummer and great attitude hopefully if you guys hit the east coast here maybe philadelphia new york i'll be able to see you guys live again 
John, thanks very much, and um, come see us play uh, Romantics Rock. the 1983 album in he that was the romantics with talking in your sleep 
and uh, listened to our interview with Mike Skill, and we talked about the video. So um, I urge all the young men out there, if you want to see a hot video, <laughs> uh, there's probably 30 or 40 uh, really good-looking women in lingerie in this video for uh, talking in your sleep. So... Yeah, it was cool um, talking to Mike, and again, I appreciate him, uh, you know, giving us a holler and uh, just reliving some of the stuff from the romantics, man. I mean, just a great, great time and uh, some really cool music. So I want to uh, keep the episode going here. We're going to play a song from Thompson Twins from 1984's Into the Gap. Um, that album sold over 5 million copies at your worldwide. I mean, it was just, it was everywhere. A um, couple really solid songs. I like the song Hold Me Now, but this was a really cool tune off of... Um, into the Gap by Thompson Twins, Doctor Doctor. I saw you there Just standing there
guys back here on Classics in 30 on the Music Frenzy Radio Network. I appreciate you guys stopping by today on a Monday. You know, you have to be going to bed or wrapping up the night in a lot better mood than you started off this uh, Monday uh, listening to some really cool stuff by the Romantics and the Thompson Twins. Uh, once again, I want to thank Mike Skelf on the Romantics for uh, giving us a cool interview. And um, we're going to wrap up with, um, I mean, one of the big supergroups of the mid-'80s. Um, you know, you take Robert Palmer, who already had many, many uh, big hits on his own. You add from Duran Duran, John and Andy Taylor, and you uh, throw in Tony Thompson on drums. Tony's just a remarkable drummer. And you got the power station. So we're going to uh, leave this episode of Classics in 30 uh, with their uh, hit from 1985's debut album. This is Bang a Gong. And I appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks.